1: as he is in the light. So what is our answer? Stay in fellowship with God, always walking in the light. Never see yourself separated from the love of God. First, words be saying, nothing can separate. Read Romans 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. You want to defeat the enemy? Walk in the light of God's love.
0: This is where joy is full. To know real truth about Jesus and to experience full joy in knowing Him, spend time in God's Word, know Him intimately, do what His Word says. Pastor Dave is going to show you today that John pointed out this simple truth over and over because it's such an important truth. Living for God brings great joy. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John Chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Enemy Within.
1: God is light. Somebody tell me the first words God spoke in the Bible? God didn't speak that. What was the first word God spoke in the Bible? Let Let there be light. Let there be light. God saw the light, and what did he say about the light? It was good. He said the light was good. And he divided the light from what? The darkness. Remember when we studied the book of John? Oh, how much fun we had. John declares this in verses 4 or 5 of chapter 1. In him, talking about Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. When we are saved, the apostle Peter tells us that we were called out of darkness into what? His marvelous light, his marvelous light. Paul also declares what Jesus declared to us. We are children of light. But then in Ephesians five verses eight to 13, it tells us, when the light shines on us, it reveals our true nature. So the mirror comes up, and the light shining out on you reveals your true nature. As you look into the mirror, you see your true nature. God is light and without any darkness nor shadow. The mirror looking at you, exposing darkness within, living a life that is real, is living in the light. Why? How many of you garden? What are you hoping when you plant your flowers? For cloudy days, right? No, you're looking for light, right? You've been through high school photosynthesis and the light and all that stuff? Why? Because light produces what? Life. Light produces life. Yes, light produces life. It also produces growth, and it also produces beauty. Darkness, on the other hand, is sin. Darkness cannot exist in light in the same place. Darkness cannot have fellowship with the light. John says you cannot cover your sin, although we try. The light is going to expose it. Look at verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. And I'll tell you what, for the first chapter, John's saying, hey, come here, I have this baseball bat I want to hit you with. I want to knock some sense into you. I have this baseball bat that I want to hit, and I want to put Louisville Slugger right across your forehead as I hit you. But John has given us the application here. When we're walking in the light, darkness goes away. If we're holding on to sin, we lose sight of the light. We're surrounded by darkness, and we're not practicing truth. We're not being real. We're not being who we are in Christ. Since light and darkness cannot exist in the same place, there's no gray area. There is no gray area. We cover our sin. What does it say when we cover our sins? How? We lie. Oh, this is hard. Some of you are squirming right now. I can see it. We tell others we're walking in the light, but really we're walking in darkness. We want everybody to think, oh, we're so spiritual. We quote scripture. We throw scripture out around people. We walk. Yeah, amen, brother. Woo! But we're walking in darkness. We're walking in darkness. We have unconfessed sin. Our lives are a shamble. We live in darkness. And remember, we're Sunday saints and Monday ain'ts. We even convince ourselves that everything's okay. And our relationship with the Lord is on good terms. We lie to ourselves because we're not practicing the truth. Our life is not real. You know, it's hard to keep lying because you forget who you told what to, (laughs) you know, and you get trapped up to the lie. The saddest thing about lies is if you tell it enough, you end up believing it's true. You tell the same lie long enough, you end up believing that it is true and you get trapped in your own lie. But look at the results of walking in the light. Verse seven, but there's that word changes everything, changes direction of the entire thing. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We have fellowship one to another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin as we are walking in the light. This is the application walking in the light. The but here changes direction. What does this mean? It means walk in obedience without harboring sin, not resisting the conviction of the Holy Spirit on a particular point. John is not coming down on you here. John is encouraging you. He said, this can happen. This is possible. The real life in Jesus Christ is a possibility in your life. It's a possibility. John is encouraging you again to walk again. Walking implies what? Action. It implies action. This walk is possible. We can walk in this life and we can have true experience as we walk in this light. It's beautiful because in the context of the Greek, this cleansing is continual cleansing. That's what the contact means. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one to another, and the blood of Jesus Christ continually cleanses us from sin. So what did that tell you? Don't get out of the light. <laughs> Don't leave the light behind. Walk in the light as he is in the light. So what is our answer? Stay in fellowship with God. Always walking in the light. Never see yourself separated from the love of God. First, words we saying, Nothing can separate. Read Romans 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. You want to defeat the enemy? Walk in the light of God's love. This is where joy is full. Remember last week, John said, I write these things to you so that your joy may be full. This is where the fullness of joy comes from. I got to clear some up here. I got to clear something up. I am not saying that you will never sin. It's not coming out of my mouth. Remember the old man? Not me, the other old man. (laughs) The old nature that lives within you, he's going to rear his ugly head every now and then. and You've got to realize this. Now, I love what one commentator said. Listen to this, quote, Even though Christians have been cleansed in an important general sense for salvation, our feet need cleaning. I love that. Remember Jesus at the supper when he washed the feet of the disciple? Only your feet need to be cleansed because they touched the world. Living the real life, living the life that Christ died for us to have means continually walking in the light, receiving the continual cleansing from our sin. Some think they're sinless. Some think that they don't sin. And this is a dangerous heresy. This is what the Gnostics were teaching. This is what John was trying to come against. Remember, we talked about that last week. John is trying to come against these Gnostics for this teaching. So John comes against this thought. Look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we what? We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. The truth is not in us. Saying we have no sin makes us a liar. And we deceive ourselves. And the truth isn't in you. In other words, you're not living the real life. You're full of phony baloney. I don't know why I said that. When someone is not real, when someone is not living the life that they're talking about, when someone's walk doesn't match their talk, what do we call that person? A hypocrite. The H word, a hypocrite. Some people today will tell you, there are no absolutes. are definitely no absolutes. Just because it's wrong for you doesn't mean it's wrong for me. Just because you think it's truth doesn't mean it's true for me. I have a different truth than you are. Don't tell me I'm a sinner. I'm not as bad as that guy. They deceive themselves. And they don't know the truth because the truth is not in them. Listen to my Guzik quote. Quote, to say that we have no sin puts us in a dangerous place because God's grace and mercy is extended to sinners. Not those who, oh, I made a mistake, or I'm only human, and no one's perfect, but Sinners. We need to realize that the victory and forgiveness that comes from saying I am a sinner, even a great sinner, but I have a savior who cleanses me from all sin. Unquote. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. Remember John's writing to believers. And he says, "All right. Here's the application." Here's the application. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And several things you need to look at there. The word all in the Greek means all. Every unrighteous thing. Sin does not have to be a stumbling block to your relationship with God. John simply says, confess it. Now, When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, my past sin has been forgiven, my present sin is forgiven, and my future sin is forgiven. You might say, then why should I confess if my sin is forgiven? I confess my sin to the Lord not to attain forgiveness. That's already been taken care of on the cross. I've been forgiven. But I confess my sin to get freedom from that sin. I confess it God. I can be set free from that sin that is tiring me down. The sin that it says in Hebrew that so easily ensnares me. That's the one I want to get rid of. I want to be free from that sin. I don't want to be in bondage any longer. I'm tired of walking in the dark. I'm tired of trying to feel my way. Remember, John is speaking about the real life, living a real life, a life of freedom, a life of joy, a life in constant fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. This is the context from where John speaks. As the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, praise God, the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin. That should tell you that you're really saved. But as the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, the sin that's hindering your fellowship, confess it. Confess it. Confess it to God. Confess it one to another. Receive the forgiveness and the cleansing so that our relationship with God can continue without hindrance. See, because Jesus' work on the cross, the righteousness of God ensures that I will be forgiven. I'm forgiven. I've gone to the cross. I've asked Jesus to come into my life. I've asked him to be my savior. I've confessed my sin. God is faithful and just to forgive that sin. There's a danger here. Even Paul talked about this danger. It's a danger here by saying, hey, I can go ahead and sin because God's going to forgive me. Yeah. This shouldn't lead us to sin. It should lead us out of sin knowing that God could only be faithful and just to forgive our sins because of the wrath that we deserve that he poured out upon Jesus Christ on the cross. We should know that. There is no more sure evidence that a person is out of fellowship with God than someone to contemplate or commit a sin with the idea, I can ask for forgiveness later. That person is not walking in the light. That person is walking in darkness. This is a dangerous place to be. Dangerous place to be. Since God is light and there's no darkness in him, we can be assured that the person who commits sin with this idea is not in fellowship with God. It's not in fellowship with God. Look at verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. If we deny the presence of sin, we're self-deceived, and we're denying God's word. Yet though sin is always present, and so is its remedy, so sin never needs to be a hindrance to us. See, John is encouraging you, get rid of it. You've already been forgiven. Open up. Confess. Get rid of it. Stop walking around. Stop saying one thing and doing another. Stop letting people think that you're some spiritual giant when you're doing these other things behind their back. It comes down to one word. We talked about it before. Integrity. Integrity. If we refuse to see sin in us, maybe Jesus is not in us. If we say we're without sin, we're not living that real life. Many people who have read this epistle, have given John a nickname. They call him John the Mender. Because what John's trying to do in these first 10 verses is to mend our relationship with God. He's trying to make it real. He's trying to mend it back with God. He's trying to get us to get right with God, to come back to him and say, okay, Lord, I have sinned. I'm living in darkness, but I don't want to anymore. I know you've forgiven me. Now, please, may I walk in that light? And he says, yeah, my blood of my son cleanses you. You're free. He wants us to mend that relationship. He's calling us back to the fundamentals. If you remember a couple weeks ago when we introduced 1 John, I said it was going to be like going back to Christianity 101. We're right back. He said, Christianity 101. And sometimes we need to go back to the beginning. We need to go back to where we've come and say, okay, Lord, this is it. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to walk in that light. I need to move on. I'm stagnated. I'm even sliding backwards. No, Lord, I need to move forward. Bless you. See, I think the church in a whole, and we as individuals in the church, need this letter more than ever before right now. This is the time when we need this letter letter, when we need this teaching, when our lives need to be real. For some, this might be a time of great weakness because we're all under attack. We have the COVID-19 issue, which keep raising its ugly head from time to time. There's social injustice. There's racial tension. There's so much crazy stuff going on out there, so much at stake for our beloved country, What is happening in our lives today is unprecedented. It's unprecedented. Oh, how we need to mend our relationship with God. John is writing to believers in a time when the church was infiltrated by all sorts of various doctrines, all sorts of false concepts, all sorts of crazy ideas. There was strong persecution from the outside and strong persecution welling up on the inside. And John's writing this letter. And I'm going to ask you the same question. What's changed? Not a thing. There's nothing new under the sun. Our Christian faith is under serious attack. Serious attack. Serious attack. And folks, it's just beginning. It's just beginning. There are many, many errors being introduced into the church. Heresy. Into the church. Into the fundamental church. Heresy. The attack is extremely subtle. It's undermining our vitality. It leaves us dull and even dead. And when we're dead, we're useless. We need to become alert. We need to be alert to what's going on. The need John is addressing here in 1 John still exists today. The need for unbroken fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Unbroken fellowship. The need to have all things in common with him and all things in common with each other. And our commonality is Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. That's our commonality. To live a real life that is before others so that they can come into the kingdom as we come into this last time. We are in the last days. If you don't believe it, please go back and read the book of Revelation. Please match up what you read in the book of Revelation to what you're reading in the newspaper today. Only mackerel. We were talking this morning about giant locusts in India. My goodness, great dust storm coming across the ocean into the United States from the Sahara on top of COVID, on top of hornets that kill, on top of racial tension. You don't think we're living in the last days and you don't know the Bible very well. Read up on it. We need to live a life that is real before them so that they know. Those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ know that they have power over sin through the Holy Spirit if they would confess, if they would come. They have power over the bondage that they're in. They have to look at the bondage. Look at the devastation that sin is causing in our nation today. Look what's happening. The church must be real. I've said this before as a school teacher for 37 years. When I taught and wasn't prepared for my lesson, those kids spotted fakeness in a heartbeat. (laughs) Those kids saw me faking in a heartbeat. They knew I was faking. They could tell in a heartbeat that I was faking, that I didn't really know what I was talking about. And they called me on it every single time. People spot phony. People can spot phony. And if you're walking in darkness and professing to be a believer, people will spot phony in you. And they'll just say, talk to the hand. They will walk away from you. People are looking for reality. They're looking for realness and they're looking to you. You're the one that professes Jesus Christ. You're the one that says Jesus is the answer. Show me. that You're the one. And people need that right now. People need that. We must never come to a place where we think we've mastered this walk. Scripture says, take heed lest you fall. Take heed. I encourage you to take some time And to stare intently into the mirror that John is holding up before you today. Stare in that mirror. I challenge you to be a David. Not this David. King David from the Bible. To be a David who sat before God and said, Search my heart, O God, and show me if there's any wicked way in me. That's what holding the mirror up will do. It exposes the darkness. I encourage you to be true not only to each other, but true to yourself. True to yourself, because being true to yourself and true to God. Are you in fellowship with God? Are you walking in the light? Or has some sin snuck in and created a distance between you and he? Are you presently walking in darkness? Have no fear, my brothers and sisters. There's hope. Confess it. Confess your sin to God. He's faithful and just. Confess your sin. You know, when Paul was trying to apply his own teaching from Romans 1 through 5. When he was trying to apply his teaching in Romans 6, he got to that point that he just read. He said, you know, these things that I want to do, I can't do. These things that I don't want to do, I seem to do all the time. And then he cries out, oh, wretched man that I am. Notice he said, I am. Not that I was before I accepted Jesus Christ. No, wretched man that I am. Who can deliver me from this body of death? (gasps) Thank God to Jesus Christ, my Lord. He's still the answer, folks. He will always be the answer. He's still the answer. He is still the answer to what ails the world today. He's still the answer to what ails the church today. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And I encourage you with all my heart to return to true, real fellowship with him. That's true life a life that is real, and a life that is noticeable by those outside. Because the last days are really ramping up and things are coming to a very, very quick end very soon. And God's will is that none would perish. And he wants to use you. He wants to use us to bring more people to him through Jesus Christ and the cross. And that's what he's asking. and That's what John wants us to do today because he knows that a life sold out for Christ, is so attractive and so contagious that other people will want that. Other people will come to you and go, why are you not miserable in the midst of this craziness? Why are you standing strong in all this stuff that's going on? What's happening? And you get to tell them about your beloved Savior, Jesus Christ. You get to tell them. And then once you've told them, you've done your job. Once you've told them, it's up to them. They've got to decide. Jesus said, you're either with me or against me. There's no in between. Remember, there's no gray. There's no gray. So I encourage you, brothers and sisters, get back to the relationship. This issue that we started talking about, this enemy of sin, this is the main message, and John carries it completely through this epistle. He will constantly talk about it. It will keep coming back. So we must address it as a group, individually, as a church. We must address this issue. John is going to continue to bring it back all through this epistle. That mirror, he's going to get tired of holding that mirror, and you're going to get tired of looking in that mirror. But don't. Don't grow weary of doing good. And let it wash over you like the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. You are a sure
0: hope. This has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Thanks for tuning in. Sometimes it's helpful to know what your boundaries are, what the acceptable parameters are for living your life. In this book, John made it clear to those he was writing to the differences or contrast between light and dark, truth versus lies, and Christ versus the Antichrist. These are opposites of one another, because like all of life, there is a constant reminder of good and evil, of sin and righteousness. Throughout God's Word, He provides clues and instructions of what things are good and right. He also gives warning of what's wrong and sinful. So John's writing is a reminder of the boundaries God's put in place for your benefit. This is not any kind of punishment or consequence. On the contrary, it's to give you more freedom and to allow you to live life to the fullest here on earth and beyond. Is your heart waging war between these things that John has written about? Are you wrestling between loving the world and loving God? If you'd like to talk to someone about the things that you've heard today, please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number, 609-884-5821. Keep looking to Scripture for answers. And know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. Feel free to listen to more messages like this on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Be sure to join us again next time here on A Sure Hope.